Hey FI Europeans, this is Matthias and today I interview Cal, aka Mrs. Money HQ. She's a mom with two kids from Ireland and we'll discuss about the very basics of financial independence. Being smart with your expense while not compromising with the quality of goods you use every day. And this is important to think and rethink from time to time to improve your daily habits because money that is not spent doesn't need to be earned and can be deployed in your investment accounts to work for you and your family's future. I'm sure you will get some new ideas how to live a minimalistic life, learn about Kel's stories, save money and work around the downsides that come up when focusing on cutting expenses. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Hi, this is Matthias, and I want to introduce you this episode's sponsor, which is Estate. Everstate is a real estate P2P aggregator and with one account you can build a diversified portfolio of projects of many different deal providers across 11 countries. What I really like about them is that Everstate founders also invest personal money in some of the projects and you could choose to follow them to invest in these curated skin in the game projects manually or just using the auto invest feature like I do. With the three investment types, you can decide if you want to invest in property loans, equity or earn a steady income from rentals. Most projects are backed by collateral and you can expect returns between 5 and 18%. If you're interested, you can find more information at financial-independence.eu slash evoestate. That's spelled E-V-O-S-T-A-T-E. And you can find the link also in the show notes. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Financial Independence Europe podcast. And today we have with me in the virtual studio, Kel. Hello, Kel. Hi, how are you? Fine. They are pretty much fine. And um, the weather in Ireland is uh, horrible, I guess. Yes, yes. Um, but it's a typical Irish day, though. I mean, it rains, what, 11 and a half months of the year. So it's, it's pretty normal. It's just chillier, chillier than the summer. But other than that, a very normal day for us. And you, you made yourself an Irish coffee already? Ah, I will come January, but this year as part of my no spend year, which we'll get into later on, I actually gave up alcohol for the whole year. Oh, that sounds um, pretty good uh, pre <laughs> uh, for some people, I guess. <laughs> And um, yeah, tell us a little bit about the no spend year initiative. You um, have seen that on Instagram, like everybody, I guess. And you started in January. Uh, so what have been the goals um, and what is it about the no spend year? Yes. Okay. Well, there's a, like with everybody, there's a big old backstory to it. Um, and actually, this is, the, I'm really glad I'm talking to you today because I was typical of most people when I was growing up. I hadn't a clue about money. I spent everything that I earned and I always had decent jobs. So I was always very lucky that way. But I was spending as much, if not more money than uh, what I was earning I was always, always spending up to my full on lifestyle would allow me to. And then when I, a few different things happened, the recession in Ireland happened and we had just bought a house and the house wasn't worth much. And we ended up, um, oh, that's a whole book in itself, um, on selling the house for half what we bought it for and all the wrong mistakes that people make. So I decided after that we had to get our money under control. And that's when I found the whole FI life the financial independence, the idea of retiring early really appealed to me. But we knew we had a big, long road ahead of us. So I 
set on my journey and we were doing really, really well and everything was brilliant. But then I had, I had two children and I realized after a couple of years of, of chasing fine, we had our fine number and all that, um, that I was spending so much time working and so much time focusing on the money part that I actually wasn't around to see my kids that much. And a couple of things happened. Uh, for example, a, an entire week went past where I didn't see my children awake at all. And it kind of scared me because I would go into them in the morning before I left for work and the two of them would still be asleep. And I would kind of give them a little kiss on the forehead and head out. And by the time I got back home in the evening, they were gone back to bed again. And I kind of went, whoa, this is, this is not what I wanted out of my life. So I sat down with my husband and we said, right, we both want this fire journey. We both want to be financially independent. We both want to retire when it suits us. But I didn't want to sacrifice my children's childhood. So what we did then was um, I said, right, we took a big decision. We worked out the numbers and I said, OK, we'll still get to five, but we'll do it in a slower way. So I stepped back from my career. I was 16 years working in the farm industry and I loved my job. It was a great job, but it was a never turn off job either. And I didn't have the option to work from home. So I just stood back entirely and I said, right, OK, let's just do this. The kids are only young for a few years. Very soon they'll be off designing their own lives and building their own world. But for this short period of time, I wanted to be around. So I handed him my notice and he said, right, OK, now what are we going to do? Half our income was missing. And even though we knew the numbers would sort of work out, I needed to make sure that they would absolutely work out and, and guarantee it as best we could. So that's where the no spend year came in. I said, if I was going to be at home and I was going to be the mom and running the household, I was going to make sure that I did every single thing that I could to make sure that our money was under control. And even though our time to fly would be longer, I was going to do everything from my side to make that work. And that's the kind of inception of, of where the no spend year came from. So um, it came from like a trauma or like um, yeah, you, you spent a lot of money in, in the past, like just consuming goods. And then also the, the crisis was um, kind of hitting you. And you mentioned that you have sold your house for, for half of the price. Oh, goodness. Yes. Um, that was a whole a whole thing in itself. We had in the boom in Ireland where the house prices shot up and there was a whole thing in the Irish psyche that, you know, we, you need to own your own house to have your independence, you need your own house. Like renting wasn't very common in Ireland. In Ireland, mm. if it was only common to rent if you're saving for a deposit or you were kind of in between leaving your parents to buying your own house. So we were still very married to the land. It's something that's just been in our culture for so, so long. So I ended up buying a house that I couldn't afford because that was the thing to do. Everybody did it and I just went along with it. But I bought at the height of the boom, the height of the Celtic tiger. Um, and it was the best our economy had ever been, but it was also the most expensive our economy had ever been. But I had gone along with it and I bought this house with a very, very high mortgage along with many of, of my peers. And pretty much six months after I bought the house, the recession hit and house prices fell through the floor. And that was fine, except there was a phenomenon in Ireland. And I don't know if, if Europe was hit as strongly with this, but there were a lot of kind of half built estates of houses and a lot of houses were kind of left a bit derelict. So 
my house was in what ended up being called a ghost estate. And a ghost estate was where some houses were built and people were living in them. But many more houses were in various states of being built and the developers didn't have the money to finish off the houses. So a lot of antisocial behaviour would creep into those areas and things just... It just got to a point where we couldn't live there. And I, I just found out I was pregnant with my second child. And there was just uh, just various kind of oh, I think break-ins and uh, squatting and just different things that uh, made it not suitable f- to rear young children in. At the same time, there were a lot of job losses in Ireland and my husband's company basically became insolvent and he had lost his job. So we're down to just my position. And anyway, long story short, we we ended up moving out of that house and just financially and otherwise we were renting for a long time, but we couldn't afford to keep that house and rent on just my income. So we ended up selling it and we just sold it for, for, for what we could. Not the best financial thing, but it was I didn't know a huge amount about money at the time. And with two young kids and a husband trying to find a job, it it was just we just had to cut our cloth for that time. So we ended up carrying that debt with us, which we've since gotten rid of, thanks to putting in a lot of the the financial kind of FI ethos. And we have we've we've gotten ourselves back up on track now, but it's it's a it was a tough time. It was a tough time. So how long did it take you to um get out of the debt zone? It took us a good few years to be honest, because even though we sold the house for half what we bought it for you still have to pay that money back to the bank. So um, it did, it took, we didn't take holidays for years. We, now luckily I had a company car with my job and my job was a, was a quite a good one, but we just threw everything we could at it to get that savings. But I'd say definitely four or five years, at least of, of nothing but throwing money at that debt. Uh, maybe it would have been, Better to not not to not to pay off the debt because the um, maybe it's just one percent. Then you could just save it in, in in stocks. But anyway, you you're back on track. Um, you you managed to get out of the um this this difficult time. And uh, now you 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 rented a new house or are you or you bought it? Because I've seen on Instagram that you're living in a house. Yes, yes. Oh no, the house we're in now is a definitely a keeper. Um, after that uh, mishap of a house, shall we say, we rented for a good while and we thought about what did we really want from our lives? Where did we want to live? What kind of schools do we want our kids to go to? What kind of lifestyle did we want? And we spent several years just renting until we figured out, okay, we want this size of house with in this area and this catchment close enough, you know, where we can both do our jobs comfortably and that kind of thing. And um, so we bought a house. It's um, nearly four years ago now, and we plan on being here for a very, very long time. It's yeah, absolutely love it. And this time we did it properly. This time we only took out a very small mortgage. Uh, we got a very low interest rate. We had saved up a huge amount of the deposit for it. And I'm not overpaying on the mortgage. Anything that I would have to overpay is going straight into the stock market and that kind of thing. So it's it's a much a much more well thought out purchase this time as opposed to my uh, mindless one the first time. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. You you normally you have to do one mistake at least uh, <laughs> to learn <laughs> how it works properly. And it's in in real estate. It's always uh, an expensive mistake. 
But um, in, in the end, uh, you are on a good track. You, you have a nice place to live now and um, learned a lot about money. And you have the No Spend Year initiative where you can save even more money. And so you, you, I've read that you have two reasons to do it. First is to be able to step back from your from your job and spend more time with your children. And the other was also to save more and to embrace minimalism. So just um, also have a positive attitude towards saving, not buying and so on. So tell us a little bit more about this um, uh, minimalism or the, the, the other why you're doing the no spend challenge. Yes. So I know myself, I've, I've a science background um, and for me, To get me to do anything and do anything properly, I need good reasons. I need a good hypothesis. I need a benchmark and I need a strict set of guidelines. So I have a whole man, I did have a whole manifesto um, at the end of 2018 for 2019. And with the year I was going to compare our spending in 2018 versus 2019. So I could have a good, a true benchmark um, of, of what the savings would be over the course of the year. The way I kind of did, I broke it into two arms, just like you said there. So the no spend side and then the minimalism side. With regards to the minimalism, what I realized that I didn't need so many things in my life. And any of the, a lot of the things that I had built up over the years, I wasn't using them or they just weren't bringing value. So I, in the first part of, of this year of 2019, I spent probably the, near the full month of January just cleaning out the house of all the things that we didn't need. I'd say I got rid of, I'd say nearly half of our possessions, which considering I have two kids and two cats and a husband, uh, that's a lot of stuff that I moved on. And some, some things I sold, some things I donated, gave away, whatever I needed to do just to get them out of my life, basically, because I found the more things I had, the more space I needed. And the more minding and caring and ensuring and managing and maintenance of all these different things. Whereas if I got rid of them, I wouldn't have to deal with all the extra expense of owning all these material things. So that has worked really well for me. The kids have been a little bit slower to come on board with it. But to be fair to them, they are trying, uh, but they do like all their, their toys and things. Uh, but the minimalism, I absolutely love. It's just a breath of fresh air and the clutter has just gone out of my house and my life, which is brilliant. And I don't plan on ever coming back again. So you can you can now sell the house again and, and um, get a smaller flat <laughs> because you don't have that much stuff. Anymore. That is true. That is true. And I think our our long-term plan will be when the kids get older, we will definitely downsize. We definitely will because we won't need the space that we have now. But for the moment where we have, we've uh, it's just the nice size for us for this time in our lives. And you don't have an echo in your, in your, in your house when you talk? No. Okay. No. You have carpets and you have cats. So <laughs> maybe that's why. <laughs> That could easily be why. I definitely blame it more on the cats than the carpets. They're fairly hairy. <laughs> and just as you started, um, I remember that this year, my girlfriend, now wife, uh, was starting with a pantry challenge. She was also uh, influenced by Instagram. And uh, we, everything in our kitchen we need to, to eat before we are, we are allowed to, to buy something new. That was really hard a little bit. And sometimes I had to eat stuff that I don't want to eat. But um, yeah, we saved a lot of money until that. But now it's a little bit like before that we have a lot of stuff in our kitchen. And yeah, <laughs> um, we have to start again uh, in January to uh, get rid of all the things and all the food we haven't uh, eaten now uh, this year. And uh, what, I, what I also am interested is what, what 
did you also learn about yourself in the last year, except that you can maybe, um, how long you can maybe eat from the stuff you have in your house? Is there anything you've learned about yourself in the, in the last year? I've learned so much about myself in the last year. Um, I'll, I'll come back to the food bit in a minute. With the no spend year, I gave up alcohol and I gave up buying makeup and I gave up buying clothes and I gave up dyeing my hair. I gave up all the things, going to the salon, getting my nails done, all the things that I would have loved doing when I was working. And I would have seen it as just part of my lifestyle. But this year, since the bottom line was to make it work that I could stay at home and be around my children, I had to be very conscious of all those spends. So cutting them out for the year was very scary for me. And I hadn't considered myself to be a vain person But I would have always had my nails done and my hair done and, and, and makeup and that kind of thing. And with this year, cutting back on all of that, it's, it's forced me to own who I am a lot more. And that is a, it's a scary thing to do. And it's a, it's a scary thing to take all those layers and masks away and then just rock up as yourself. But as it turns out, it's a much nicer way to live, in my opinion, And I am more myself in conversations and meeting people and I'm enjoying things a lot more because I'm not focusing on myself anymore. I'm focusing on the person that I'm with or the thing that I'm doing or the time with my children. And that that is a much nicer way to be in life. So that's one of the biggest things I've learned this year. And not drinking alcohol has also other benefits like you, you save some money and it's, it might be good for your health. And you don't have to go to the gym and, <laughs> and so on. So I, I think there are some, some advantages not drinking. I also don't, uh, don't drink normally, maybe just every three weeks. It's a really good uh, habit uh, to do. And um, maybe we now dive a little bit deeper into how you, how you saved that, much, uh, that amount of money. Uh, how much did you save compared to last year? This, this did amaze me, I have to say. So The way I worked it, like I said, I like my empirical evidence. So comparing uh, 2018 to 2019. So we're on track to save 26,500 versus 2018, as in spending less, less outgoings. And that's after tax money. And in Ireland, the highest tax rate is 52%. So if you think of that, that's 26. So you're into the 40 odd thousand euro of a salary I would have had to earn just to have that amount of money. And that I have to admit has, has, has absolutely boggled my mind because it was all done through small little things, small little things like keeping the food budget, not getting my hair done, not buying clothes. Uh, we went on holidays during the summer and we actually did the exact same holiday in 2018 as 2019 because I wanted it to be a, a true comparison. So we went to the same self-catering accommodation with the same people at pretty much the same time of year. And the holiday cost us exactly half this year versus last year. Why? Because you, you stayed in your uh, hotel room or? <laughs> Not quite, no. We, I just thought about things differently. So one of the big things that I did this year was no having no spend days. So when we went on holidays, we, we tend to go with our friends and they have kids as well. And with the kids, we thought, well, what can we do that doesn't cost money? And as it turns out, kids generally 
aren't that pushed on what they do once they're outside and having fun. So instead of maybe eating in restaurants as much, we brought picnics with us because we were staying in self-catering so we could do that. Um, and I had a little camping stove that I brought with, with us and we would disappear up mountains one day. We were at the beach loads of other days. Um, and I had, I will always, and this is something I will always, always have is wet, good wetsuits for the kids. So they were like fish for a lot of the holiday, jumping off rocks and into the sea. And none of that costs anything. And they had a brilliant time and we had a brilliant time. And I have to say it was it was a better holiday this year than the year before. Pretty good. Um, we also did camping, but um, we wanted to camp do camping for two weeks, but we uh, reduced the amount of time to one week because we really like to have our own toilet, toilet and uh, a table and a chair and so on. But uh, I mean, the kids, they really like, they really like to be outdoors and discover so many things, but um, just that you have to about the, think about the, all the basic things if one, one week was enough for us for the first time. So <laughs> maybe next time we extend. But um, I agree that you can uh, really save a lot of money if you really think about what makes you happy uh, in, in the vacation. It's not uh, that you go to like a Disneyland park or it's mostly uh, it's just maybe going for a walk, swimming and um, talking to people. And that's, that's, that's basically for free. So yeah, so you can save really a lot of time, uh, not a lot of time, but a lot of money. And um, yeah, it was also interesting that we um, saved this year also a lot um, of money. And um, for the groceries, you had you had a budget of, of 100 euros. I checked my account um, just to compare because I didn't know is, is it a lot, is it not a lot. I discovered that we have spent 186 in the last seven days euros. And before the seven days, we spent 130 euros. So I had to call my uh, wife and um, ask her what, what happened. <laughs> and she said, we have to, to monitor uh, our budgets a little bit better again, uh, because before, I guess we also have, have been at, at 100 euros or 90 some, in some weeks. So, um, so how did you manage to, to always, always be also below the 100 euros? Thank you for asking that one. That one, it took me a while to to get my head around because when I started out the year and I put all these rules down and all these best intentions, I hadn't really thought through how I was going to do it yet. Uh, but I said I'd give it its best shot. Um, where I came up with 100 euro was in 2018, we had spent just bang on 10,000 euro on food over the course of the year. So I thought, right, well, what's close to half of that? That's an easy number. And 100 euro per week would have been 5,200 throughout the year. So that was kind of a, a nice number to work with, even if I hadn't thought through the practicalities of it. And I suppose just for anybody who's listening, so there's four of us in the family and the two cats, so two adults, two kids and two cats. So what I ended up doing for the first while, I did kind of kind of go over the 100 euro a little bit and then other weeks I was able to pull it back and it took me a while but what I started doing was I prioritized first of all what I had in my freezer because up until that point I had kind of seen my freezer as a random place to store things that I wasn't sure of when I wanted to eat them so I said right okay there's no point in having all these things in the freezer that's just money locked up there so we started eating through all the stuff in the freezer and once that was kind of run down I knew what was in there Then I said, right, okay, we need to look at the presses and the cupboards and what we had there. And I went through, there's loads of stuff in there that was like out of date or I had bought like, you know, the year before for one dish one time and needed one spoon of it. I went, that has to stop. 
Like it, I have to start really practically thinking about why I'm spending five euro on a jar of something that I'm just going to throw out in a year's time and it's taking up space in my presses. So I started working through what was still edible in those presses. And I said, right, if I don't like whatever it is, by the end of that time, the jar is finished, we're not buying it again. So by that way, a good few things actually got cut out that we just stopped buying. Like we stopped buying fruit juice. And we stopped buying fruit juice because I actually had a really good juicer that I bought a few years ago in my spending days, thinking that I was going to get really healthy uh, and just juice everything and become like all the people on Instagram or whatever who are all beautiful and healthy with their juice. That didn't work out. But this year I've used the juicer a huge amount and I just buy loads of fruit and juice that. So we didn't need to buy expensive juice. Um, we stopped buying lettuce and we stopped buying because it turns out none of us actually really like lettuce. So I just stuck with like spinach and rocket instead. We stopped buying sparkling water. We stopped buying bottled water. All those just simple things. So in the end, the shopping list became quite a functional one. Um, so once I'd cut out those bits and we'd run down the freezer and we'd gotten the cupboards under control. Well, then I had to start thinking, right, OK, long term, what are we going to do? And in Ireland, I, I and I don't know what, it, again, what it's like across Europe, but different supermarkets will have promotions on fruits and vegetables and certain meats during the week. And most of these supermarkets, actually Lidl and Aldi, they would have uh, various fruits and veg on promotion. And um, they're super six is what they're called over here. And I would focus my meals around those. And that straight away would mean that we were eating generally seasonally and I would be getting like, you know, a kilo and a half of oranges for 50 cent. And that goes a long way. So I would start making meals around that. And then I would have uh, our, our basic staples. So I would always keep flour. I'd always make sure we had flour and pasta and potatoes and the basic starches in. And then over time, I realized that, well, meat, lumps of red meat, like a leg of lamb, which would be quite common. I just realized it was too much meat for us to eat and it was quite an expensive thing. So we actually cut down a lot on our red meat intake as well as some of the other things. And I, for a long time, kind of chicken would have been the main meat that we would have eaten, but we would have started eating more kind of vegetarian based meals as well, just a couple of times a week because we realized just we just didn't need to eat as much as that as, as we had before. But then a friend of mine said, hey, a, a local person here is doing organic free range chicken. And I remember going... Okay, how much is it? She said, oh, well, it's 14 euro. And I was like, that's 14 euro. Oh, no. I said, I couldn't possibly fit that in. It was just too expensive. But I said I'd give it a go. And I said, right, just for one time, one week, I would get this chicken. So we rocked up, got the chicken, and we brought it home and I cooked it. And the kids, were, they sat down there, this is amazing. This is great. Like the kids are only six and nine and they were sold on this chicken. Like the texture, the flavor, the everything. So... I was kind of, and I, and to be fair, it was really good quality chicken and it was a big chicken and it lasted us over several meals. So I said, right, I'm going to have to make sure that this is in our budget. So most weeks I will get an organic free range chicken and that will be, that will cover a lot of our meat for the week along with some fish and, and I will always have smoked salmon because I just love smoked salmon. But there's certain things like that that'll keep the protein in our diets, protein that we like to eat. And along with the good quality chicken, good quality fruit and veg, and then just having staples in the house, that tends to cover us for a lot of meals um, during the week. And, and I find then that that uh, it keeps us eating healthily and it keeps us under the 100 euro budget when you use the promotions and you're just a little bit organised of what you're going to cook ahead of time. 
So basically, you just buy in bulk and you have kind of meal plan. So you, you plan ahead and then you, you, you buy in bulk and um, that's why you can reduce the cost per meal. And uh, you really, you really plan out that you, that you just need a few amount of, of articles to, to cook uh, exactly. the meals for the whole family. Exactly. Like there are many things now that I, I would have bought loads of jars of things before, like jars, maybe, you know, a pasta sauce and um, different Indian spice, uh, Indian pastes and things to make curries. But now I'll just make them all from scratch. So I'll buy in uh, packets of herbs and spices and I'll just make up my own different mixes for the, the different curries as opposed to buying expensive jars. And I find the homemade ones taste a lot better because you're grinding up the spices freshly there. But oh, what I forgot to mention as well, and I'm really enjoying this at the moment, is that all each week I tried to to keep bring in the budget under 100 euro per week. And sometimes it might be 50 cent under, sometimes it might be 10 euro under, but all those two euros and 10 euros and five euros, I stored them all up to, uh, to Christmas. Because for me, Christmas is very important and it's important to be generous with food. And we have a lot of people over around Christmas time and I want to feed them properly. And 100 euro per week probably wouldn't cut it around Christmas time, as you, you could probably understand. So I built up all those small amounts of money and coming into Christmas, actually, well, now, even at this moment, I had over 500 euro on top of my 100 euro per week to spend over Christmas. And I, I will come in under budget by the time the year is over. I should come in. I'll, I'm Actually, I think I'll come in under 5,000 by the time the year is finished, which will be great. Um, but it's allowing us to have a really generous Christmas. So I have been going over budget for the last couple of weeks. That's that's really crazy what, what the cost is of inviting people. There was one year when my son was born that we want, decided we don't want to travel at Christmas time. So we invited people and we spent more then we would have spent traveling by train or by airplane to to our family. Uh, so that's why we're just visiting people at Christmas. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just too expensive uh, uh, to buy all the food. And it, yeah, it was uh, yeah also organic and, and nice food, but still, you know, what is really powerful, I mean, you can, you can do your meal planning and so on, but the first things um, you, you could do is, is really, is the not to do list, like not buying juice, not buying too much meat, no sweets, no alcohol, uh, no bottled water, no, there, there, there are a lot of things you, you, where you can just say, no, no, I don't need it. Or maybe just on Sunday. <laughs> and, um, and then you can, then you can optimize and, and what you, what you want to eat and so on. Um, I, I discovered that I'm the only one who's going to a Lidl or, or kind of discount supermarket on my um, bank account. Uh, um, all the other people are going to, um, zero waste shops and to organic supermarkets. So I have to, um, talk to them uh, because uh, that's yeah i mean we can't just go to these organic supermarkets they are so beautiful and they are so they have so tasteful food and that's why i think you spend just more as you would uh, when you go to Lidl. oh absolutely i love the the whole zero waste movement and i love the idea of eating organic however however i will give the caveat is that i'm very specific in what i pick in those categories because if you did all your shop in an organic shop, then you would cost yourself a lot of money. So I just pick and choose what I can. I know the zero waste movement is just kind of coming coming in here 
uh, but there's no shop near me at the moment where you can just come in with your kind of boxes and bags and things and 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 load up there. We're kind of a little bit limited, but we'll we'll, we'll catch up. We'll catch up. It takes a, it takes a lot of time, or not a lot of time, but in some parts of the country, it takes longer than uh, like in the in the big cities as we are living in. Um, but it's not you can't stop it. I have seen it also in, in normal supermarkets that they slowly get these uh, some parts of their um, of their groceries uh, as with zero waste. And I think it, it will become the new standard. And um, there will also um, it's building up a new industry, it's new supermarket chains that are without waste um, will um, yeah will be built up. So it's also a huge business opportunity. But let's wrap it up with the food thingy. We have talked about the food. We have talked about the no drinking and about housing. But there's also one thing you also did is um, the electric car, where you really reduce the cost of transportation to a fraction of what you maybe paid before. How did you do that? That's, you, you also already mentioned also um, that it's uh, kind of cost neutral. Okay, I'm start off with saying I love my electric car. <laughs> I love it. Okay, and this is coming from somebody who would have, for my whole time in the pharma industry, I would have always had a company car and I would have always had diesel engine, petrol engine and, but a new, yeah, I would have had nice cars in the past. But when I finished, uh, when I stepped back from work, we we needed to, our, the car, the second car we had was quite an old one and it it just, it died a death. So we said, right, we, we need to get one good car that would last us for years and years. And we did a bit of research into electric cars and one thing was holding us back and it, it holds back a lot of people is the whole range anxiety side of things. But I said, no, OK, I'm good at planning. I'm good at being organized. We give this a shot. Uh, so we got the electric car. And at the time, there were a couple of kind of really decent, half decent deals going and there was scrappage and things. So we got it for a good price. And we did. Sorry, five, five community, but we did finance some of it. Um, and not, not, not a massive amount, but we did end up because we wanted just to have this car and we, the plan is to have it for the next 10 or 15 years longer if we can. But I don't I don't know how long an electric car will last yet. However, I've been keeping track of the numbers again, running a car in 2018 versus running the electric car in 2019. And the running costs of an electric car are so low. Like, obviously, you don't have petrol or diesel costs. But we do have electricity costs and I'm doing approximately two and a half thousand kilometers per month in the car. So it's not like she's sitting parked up. She is being moved and it's costing me less than 30 euro a month in electricity, which is nothing to do that kind of mileage as anybody who has a car, I would like to think would agree with me. And the servicing charges on electric car is we got our service during the summer and it was like 65 euro for and it was validated. Uh, washed, serviced, the whole shebang. And it, it just, it, I, I actually asked the, the guy in the garage, is you sure it's my car you're talking about? He goes, yep, yeah, electric cars. So the servicing before would have cost hundreds because there was all sorts of things that could go wrong with a combustion engine. But with an electric engine, you don't have all those moving parts. It's quite literally a laptop on wheels. So servicing it is pretty much just a few filters and making sure the brakes and tires are fine. So and tax in Ireland is much, much cheaper. It's the lowest tax you can get along with the tolls. You get a very high discount in Ireland for having electric car if you go through a toll. So all those things added together more than negate the cost of the financing of the car. So that's where when I say it's cost neutral, that's where it is. So it's 
Whereas with a traditional combustion engine car, a petrol or diesel car, you have the cost of your car plus all the running costs. Whereas with this, it's the cost of the car, yes, but the minimal, but the running costs are minimal. And that's when I say it's, it's cost neutral that way. Mm. Do you think it's it's really a bad thing to to finance a car? I mean, because you have predictable, you have low low predictable monthly cost instead of having a big lump sum you have to put into uh, to a car. I think I mean the the, the trend is going to uh, to use things, not to own things. So, and I have even seen uh, car subscriptions where you have everything included in one single fee, uh, and you can even also cancel monthly your car. So why not making, uh, you know, why not using it? Uh, because you can also just have a car for half a year or I don't have a clue about cars because I have, haven't had a car since uh, 2003 because I just use car sharing and, and the trains uh, in the cities. But um, yeah, so why not fin financing it? It's, it's not a super bad thing, I would say. Well, no, and it, it works well for us because where we are in Ireland, we need a car. There, there wouldn't be the transport network to be sufficient enough for what we would need it for. So having a car in Ireland is is pretty much a must if you live outside one of the big urban centres. Um, so for us, we bought the car new. But the plan is to keep it for at least at least 10 to 15 years. And the finance will be paid off quite soon. So she's going to be costing us even less once that's paid off. So uh, we're okay. very happy with the decision so far. And with regards to the range anxiety, that has not been a problem for us. That's... The range of my car isn't even huge. Like it's 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 supposed to be 290 kilometers, but comfortably you would get well over 200. And most days you're not going to be traveling any more than 200 kilometers in a day, which so means you we can just home. charge her at home. Okay. Uh, so because the, the, the charging networks are still uh, very small in Europe, at least in cent Central Europe. And uh, what brand is, is your car? You, you always say she, your car is a she. <laughs> I've just always called my car she's. I have no idea why. I, you're not the first person to mention that, but I, I think because uh, with my previous job, I would have been on the road quite a bit. I was in a commercial role in the farm industry. Um, and I just, I suppose I grew an affection for whatever car I was in. And they just all just happened to be she's for no other reason than my For no reason. <laughs> so it's just a good girlfriend for you. You you spend a lot of time with. Pretty and, much, yes, yes. <laughs> I suppose that's and, the best way to put it. And and now you 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 decide to spend more time with your kids. But um, normally, if you if you don't work for a couple of years, you I mean you have a higher risk that your your husband is un unemployed and you might not have money and no fallback salary. And um, if you now just stay at home for five years maybe or for six is isn't then your employability reduced um, then later on or do, do you plan to work later on or do you have other plans uh, for for your future uh, that's that is a very good question at the beginning of this year I genuinely thought I'll do a couple of years of of this while the kids are young and all that um, and then I will go back to work and I'll go back on the road and go back into the farm industry. But this year um, has really taken off so much so that I, I'm, I'm starting to build up a coaching business. So to coach on, on budgeting and getting your money under control, saving rainy day funds. And I'm helping people just to get a more positive money mindset. So that is, is starting to generate an income. Um, I'm also, um, I do speaking engagements 
uh, where I talk to groups of people and workshops where, again, we work through budgeting and and how to kind of just think about money in a different way because we work so hard to earn our money. And there is a good proportion of the population out there that that they don't think of this money as a precious thing that they can build on and that it's 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 their safety net. And people talk a lot about self-care now. And the way I see it is the ultimate self-care is building up your personal security and understanding where your money is and how it can help you over time and not to be afraid of it because there is still a lot of emotional attachment and fear around money. And I have, and this is a, something I definitely was not expecting, but I've just signed with a publisher and I will have a book out next year, later on next year, that will, um, about this no spend year, um, which, uh, which I'm really quite excited about and I'm currently kind of writing it at the moment. So I'd like to think that this year has, has changed my entire FI path in a very positive way. And I really want to build on that. That's a nice um, shift that you have all had all these, I think, trouble also financially with your house, with your with the debt um, and all, all what happened uh, in, in the past and that you, um, yeah, you learned a lot. And now you've also did this, this year of budgeting and you really also invested a, a lot of headspace and time to think uh, in detail how it works and how you can, uh, how you can improve your financial situation. And so why not, um, yeah, writing about it and also in, in Ireland, there, I think there are also plenty of people who need, um, yeah, a little coaching about it. And maybe if it's just for a small workshop or for as a book and so on uh, and so on. And it will, I guess, uh, influence them in a positive way also in, in, in the future. I think many people, there's still a lot of people who, who need that. I, I've been in the, in the shopping center in the lunch break and <laughs> seen a lot of people uh, shopping for Christmas and shopping really strange things. Uh, so, <laughs> so maybe you can stay in the supermarket and, and teach them about what to buy and not to buy. <laughs> <laughs> It would be my pleasure. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so um, then maybe just tell us a little bit about where can people find you online, um, can follow you on Instagram and get in touch with you. Um, do you have any uh, online real estate where people can find you? I do. I do. So my website is www.mrsmartmoney.com and you'll find me there. My blog posts are there and all the information about the, the no spend year is up there as well. Um, if anybody wants to contact me with regards coaching or speaking, it's all there at the at, at www.mrsmartmoney.com. Um, if you're on Instagram, I do spend a good bit of time there. You'll find me at Mrs. Smart Money HQ there um, where I'll put up. I, I've actually made a commitment to follow on my 100 euro grocery budget into 2020. So I have a whole following there and we're all going to work together to get our our grocery budgets under control and get our food spending under control. So anybody who wants to join in with that or just just general, I'd often put up videos with regards to just a positive money mindset and budgeting tips and just thinking about money in a different way and using it as a tool to get you where you want to go. So there's a lot of kind of educational things that I would put up there. So that's on Instagram. Uh, but the main hub then would be the webpage, MrsMartMoney.com. And I think it's um, normally um, just hanging out on Instagram might be also a waste of time. But if you really plan 2020 uh, to save a lot of a lot of money with your with your groceries and uh, with your budgets, uh, it's, it makes sense uh, to have it to maybe have 
accountability buddies online or have some content every day that reminds you and inspire you to to um, yeah to really do it every day and not to forget about it after a couple of weeks. Um, so so there, I think it makes sense in this case <laughs> to to spend time in, on Instagram. Um, so um, yeah, I definitely recommend it, and I also will uh, improve my uh, my habits in 2020, um, of course. And is there any um, resource that it's a question we always ask? Is there any recourse, uh, resource uh, that's maybe not well known that you would recommend to our audience about uh, financial independence, about the free debt movement, about uh, whatever you like? Maybe podcast, a book, yes. uh, a newspaper. Um, see, I know in, in Ireland, it's it's the whole FI side of things um, is in its infancy. So first of all, I'll recommend you guys. Absolutely, FI Europe. Um, there is a, a pod, There are a few podcasts coming up in Ireland as well. So there's the Irish um, Fire podcast, which is quite good, and then there's another one, um, Informed Decisions. So they're quite good as well, and they are kind of, I, I, um, they are more Irish based. And the only reason I'm saying it is just we are so behind when it comes to money. Ireland is we're only starting to catch on now. So I get very excited when I see anything. Uh, from an Irish perspective or even a European perspective, because I find the movement in the US is so big as well that even though we're a little bit quieter over here, I think we're, we don't we don't talk about it as much as what we should. So I think anything from a European perspective and this side of the pond um, is, a, is, is a big benefit. Um, and then there's a lot of there's a lot of books coming online as well. I'm I'm not the first person to have done a no spend year. So Michelle Maga did the no spend year. She she's based in the UK and she was a financial journalist and she did it. But she hadn't she didn't have children, but she did it as a uh, as part of a couple in London. And then obviously there's Kate Flanders who did the year of less um, over in the US as a, a single person as well. So I think they will still give people kind of that mindset of we all have great intentions and we all decide, we all kind of think, oh, we'll do something in January and New Year's resolutions and all that kind of thing. But quite often a lot of the New Year's resolutions kind of tend to fall flat in their face by mid-January. But when you start reading some of these books, you see that not only can you change your life over the course of a few months to a year, but it's sustainable and you can keep it going and you can keep the momentum going and just basically don't give up. And I think any books like that are are very valuable to people. Yeah, and you should read regularly about it. Um, that just that you have it in your in your mind, and that you really do it. And um, what would you say? As you know, you know, you are a coach, so that's why we can ask you: What is what number one actionable tip for someone who uh, just gets started on their path to FI? What would you say? What what could they do or not do? I think one of the biggest things it's the small things done well. That's one. If you do small things well every day, you will get to where you want to go. Because I think sometimes we we get this big goal in our heads and it's a big, huge number. Or it's a big, huge achievement or it's a big, huge whatever. And it's so big, it's overwhelming. But if you start off doing the small things and just consistently doing them, like, for example, with my food budget, I, I, I should come in under 5,000 for the year. But over 500 of that would have been spent in December purely because of all the tiny little things that the underspends of two euro, five euro, 10 euro throughout the year has led to this huge big swatch of money that I can choose to spend or not. 
only a few months later. So that's one thing, just small things done well all the time and don't become overwhelmed. And then the second one, if I was to give people some kind of advice, I had it in my head a second ago, you can edit this bit out if you don't mind. <laughs> sure. Oh, the second one. Take your time. Ah, I have it. I have it. I have it. Is the self-care side of things. Again, I find that when, when somebody puts a goal in their head and they can get very psyched out and they might decide they're going to do a no spend day or a no spend week and then they end up spending money and then they beat themselves up over it and they go, oh, well, I can't do it and then just give up and walk away. And we're so, so hard on ourselves when we shouldn't be. If some, if you decide to, to go on, a, a, take on a goal, be it lose weight, be it get fit, be it whatever, and you do fall off the wagon or you do, you, you don't do as well as what you want, just dust yourself back off, straighten your crown and go back to what you were doing in the first place. Just just keep picking yourself up and keep moving forward. So it is the self-care side of things, but the self-care is being kinder to yourself and being patient with yourself because learning about money and going on a path on FI is no different to learning how to learning a new language or learning how to get fit or learning how to eat properly. It's still a huge learning curve and you're not going to get it right the first time. So just be kind to yourself that way and just do the small things really, really well. Yes, and, and try again and again if it don't work out. And um, yeah, it definitely takes takes time. And as everything in life um, that you want to master, it takes time. And um, yeah, you should just try it again and again. So thank you very much, um, Kel, for being in our podcast and our tiny little show. And I hope people will learn something and um, have maybe adjusted their plans for 2020. And um, I also recommend them to, to follow you at MrsSmartMoney.com. And yeah, see you next time, hopefully also in our Facebook group. And yeah, bye-bye to Ireland. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> hey, Matthias, do you think there are no financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Fire Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is in the end the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you. I learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully I'll grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.